my wife and I moved to California in the mid part of 2003. And uh, one of the first uh, ministers in California that I was able to make a connection with was the elder brother Camarena. And uh, we've had a lot of good times together, trip to Puerto Rico. And uh, I visited and preached for him. He preached for me in Rancho Cordova. And uh, we've had a very warm uh, relationship and friendship. Then when I got to know Brother Nathaniel Camarena, uh, I, I saw him to be a man of integrity and honor. And uh, he is recognized by his ministerial associates as a man of integrity and a man of principle, and a man that loves the Word of God. So it was a great day for Lathrop when Brother Sister Nathaniel Camarena became the pastor of this church. I think you ought to give your pastor a good hand right now. You know the alternative to a birthday is not to appeal. It. <laughs> and uh, it's good to have birthdays. Yes. And uh, from one birthday to another, you're able to track your progress. When I look around this church tonight, I see progress. Yeah. I see things happening. Somebody has a burden. You're not just sitting on your hands. You're doing something for the Lord. Amen. And uh, God bless you for that. You may be seated. I appreciate my dear friend, Brother Gerardo Diaz, Amen. Uh, who is the associate pastor at the Rock Church. I appreciate his being with me tonight. Yes, sir. And uh, he and I are very close, and I appreciate him so much. Thank you, Brother Diaz, for coming. Amen. Praise the Lord. I feel the Holy Ghost in this service today. I feel a sense of revival. And you have the right name. Abundant life. It's not a mediocre life. It's not a just get by life. Right. It's not just an abundant life. It is a more abundant yes. life. Everybody say more and more. More and more. You're going to find out that every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Amen. Every time you have an opportunity to be in the house of God, you're going to find something unique and different and better than anything before. Somebody asked me one time, Brother Young, uh, what was the best service you've ever been to in your life? I said, well, let me think. The last one I went to. <laughs> and uh, that's the way it, it keeps happening over and over and over again. How many of you love your church? Amen. Amen. If you'd like to have the kind of a church, like the kind of a church you like, you need not slip your clothes in a grip and start on a long, long hike. You'll only find what you've left behind, for there's nothing really new. It's a knock at yourself when you knock your church. It isn't the church that's wrong, it's you. It's really strange sometimes, don't you know, that things go as well as they do. We sit, we stand around, we complain of what's done, Sometimes do very little but fuss. It isn't the church that's wrong, it's us. The church is us. Everybody say us. us. And I'm glad for the church. Amen. Praise God. Amen. 
And God is going to have a great church. He has a great church in Lathrop. And it's going to be great. Amen. Amen. Let's stand right now, if you will. And just stretch out your hand to the one near you. And let's, let's pray one for another that Holy Ghost anointing would sweep across this room here tonight. God, in your precious name, we love you and we appreciate you. I pray, dear God, and the Lord God, I pray, God, your minister, God, be with me here in a moment. God, I pray, Lord, for strength. God, I pray, Lord, for the Holy Ghost. How did God God, I thank you, Lord, for everything that you've done for me. I love you today, Jesus. I praise you, God. I worship you, Lord. Would you speak to us? Would you strengthen us? Would you move above us tonight, God, in Jesus' name? I praise you, excited about that but God doesn't want you to stay and remain where you are he wants you to move forward yes sir and he wants you to claim this city for him he wants you to reach the lost everybody say amen amen Amen. we're reading tonight from Luke chapter 15 and I want to begin with verse 3 the Bible said and he spake this parable unto them saying What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them? Everybody say, if he lose one of them. If he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. 
I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. You will observe in your Bible, these are the words of our Lord, spoken by Jesus Christ. Yes. And I want to use these and other things that are contained in this particular chapter to talk to you about reaching the lost. Everybody say reaching the lost. Reaching the lost. God bless you. You may be seated. The ultimate reason that you were not instantly, immediately raptured upon receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost and being immersed in water in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ following your repentance, the reason you were not instantly and immediately raptured at that point is because God had a mission for every one of us. Everybody say, every one of us. Every one of us. It's not just the responsibility of the preacher to be a soul winner. It's not just the responsibility of the man of God who stands in this pulpit to uh, teach and proclaim and uh, reach out to the lost. Every born-again person brings with them their initial experience in the Holy Ghost, the responsibility of reaching the lost. That's what God saved us for, really is. Now make no mistake about it, Jesus Christ can do anything. Amen. He knows everything. And he could save the whole world in one word without moving a hand. But God has chosen to involve you and I, those that he fills with the Holy Ghost. He has chosen to allow them to be a part of the process of bringing men and women, boys and girls, to the Lord. The Bible tells us very clearly that Jesus Christ himself alone performed the act of reconciliation. He did that through his death, burial, and resurrection. He performed that alone. But uh, then he chose to make you and I Uh, partners with him in reaching the lost. And so all of us are called to reach souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Everybody say all of us. We are called to reach souls for the Lord. We must not cease to do that. We must not become weary in well-doing. And the Bible tells me that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now, the winning of a soul is not an overnight proposition. Sometimes the winning of a soul uh, involves a lifetime. It involves uh, many different witnesses and many different testimonies. But you and I can have a part of winning somebody to the Lord. And I want to just slow down for a little bit tonight. And I want you to feel my heartbeat when I tell you that the greatest joy you will ever experience as a child of God is the joy of knowing that I had a part in seeing somebody find God. Can you imagine that? That you had a part. I remember well the first church I ever pastored, Greensboro, North Carolina. 
there was 13 people in that congregation the night I arrived. The next morning I moved into the apartment that was a part of the church complex. and uh, I was then the pastor of that little group of people. And I had to get a job uh, working as a carpenter, not only to put food on our table, but uh, to help pay the mortgage on the church and get things going. And, and I was ecstatic about the opportunity of doing that. And uh, it just so happened I was praying for a job. And the next morning after my, mo- my wife and I prayed that God would give me a job, someone knocked on the door where we were living. And when I opened the door, there was a gentleman there. His aunt was a member of our church. He said, I understand you are a carpenter. I said, I am somewhat. Some people may call it a shade tree uh, carpenter, but I, I know how to drive nails and cut boards, and I know how to cut rafters, and I know how to frame a house. I know about how to do those things. He said, well, you're the guy I'm looking for. He said, I need you to go to work for us. So I went to work with uh, Repon Construction Company in Greensboro, North Carolina. And uh, while I was on the job, the owner of the company had his son to go to work. And he put him in my crew. I was the foreman of the framing crew. And uh, the father came to me and he said, uh, Pastor Young, I'm, I'm putting my son in your, uh, t- on your team because I want you to have an influence on him. So uh, that young man and I worked side by side, month after month, week after week, we worked side by side. And as we would work, he would question me, and I would, I would give him a, an oral Bible study and talk to him about one God, Jesus' name, baptism, repentance, and the joy and the beauty of receiving the Holy Ghost. And, and we talked about it a whole lot. And one day I had the privilege of taking him at the noon hour to the church, and I baptized this young man in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he came to church. He was not married at that point. And after, and, and as a matter of fact, he, he did not receive the Holy Ghost, while I was the pastor of the church. But sometime after he first got connected with me, uh, we transitioned from that church, and my wife and I went into the evangelistic uh, field. And it was uh, probably 15 or 20 years after that. My wife and I were invited back to Greensboro to preach an anniversary service in that church for the pastor that was there at that time. And he uh, take, took us to the motel. We, we got settled in the room. And uh, I didn't have my cell phone with me, but I wanted to, I wanted to talk to Grady, the young man. So I, I took out the phone book out of the dresser drawer there, and I looked up the name Grady Patton. And I found two Grady Pattons in that phone book. And I didn't know which one was which. So I said, well, I'm going to start with the first one and ask for the Grady Patton that I'm interested in talking with. And uh, so I dialed that number on, and get this, on the, 
on the hotel room phone. And uh, when the phone rang, I think if I remember right, it rang three or four times and somebody picked up on the other end of the line. It was a, it was a gentleman. And I said, uh, is this Grady Patton? He said, yes, Brother Young, this is Grady. I said, wow, how did you know it was Curtis Young? He said, I will never forget your voice. And then he said something that, uh, that really brought deep emotion to my spirit. He said, Brother Young, I'm not in church. I don't go to church anymore. But he said, there is not a day that passes by that I do not think of you and your wife and Calvary Apostolic Church. He said, I think of you every day. And he said, where are you? I said, I'm in Greensboro. He said, oh, wow. I said, I'm, I'm preaching an anniversary at the church. And I just want to tell you, there's somebody out there that you can have an influence on. There's somebody somewhere that only you can reach to the Lord. Don't let the devil try to talk you into believing that you're not answered and you don't know enough about the Word of God or you don't know enough theology. Don't let the devil deceive you with that kind of concept. You know what it takes to win a soul? It just takes a love for God and a love for humanity. And if you love them enough to go out of your way, to reach out to them, the best Bible study you can give them is an example of your love for them. And tell them about your personal experience. If you have a burden on your heart for somebody that you want to win to the Lord, it may be somebody in your home, it may be somebody in the marketplace, it may be somebody on the on the job, but God has put you there. You are God's written letter. That's right. Paul said we are God's epistles. Yes. You know what an epistle is? An epistle is a letter. If I sat down and write a letter addressed to Pastor Nathaniel Camarena, and I said, Dear Brother Camarena, and then I would write him a letter, that would be an epistle from me. We are God's epistle. We are God's letter written and stamped with an address to somebody on your job or in your home or in your neighborhood. God wants you to win them. Let's lift our hands. Make a commitment to God to be a soul. God, in your precious name, we commit ourselves, Lord, to somebody. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I didn't know it was Cameron's birthday until we got here. But I, I do want to tell you that you can give this man. Come here, Brother Camarena. You can give him the greatest birthday present you can imagine by bringing somebody that's hungry for God and putting them on these pews for him to preach to. Absolutely. Praise God. How many of you will make a commitment to do that? I don't see this thing. To bring somebody to church and win them to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, I want to go back to our scripture text here tonight. You're probably wondering, Brother Young, what's the connection with reaching the lost 
and what you read to us. I read a very familiar passage, and we commonly refer to this as the story of the lost sheep. Here's what I want you to notice before I go any further. The entire 15th chapter of the book of Luke is a chapter that gives us the technique for winning souls. Now many times people read the 15th chapter of Luke and they think of it as containing three stories. But I don't want to bust your bubble here. It's really not three stories. It's one story. Everybody say one story. story. And I'm going to show you this from the Word of God. Luke chapter 15, verse 3 says, And he spake this parable. Everybody say this parable. parable. He didn't say these parables. He spake this parable unto them. And then he immediately began talking about the lost sheep. And when the lost sheep had been found, he immediately said, either. So there's a connection between this next part of the chapter and the first part. He said, either what woman having ten pieces of silver. So there's a connection between the lost sheep and the woman with a lost coin. And he carefully goes in to talk about the lost coin. And then when you get down to verse 11, we've already completed the emphasis on the lost coin. And he immediately says, and he said a certain man had two sons. And then this is the story that we commonly refer to as the story of the prodigal son. And you miss a tremendous impact until you realize that every one of these stories are a part of one story. It takes all three to make one parable. And it's a parable about winning the lost. Does everybody get that? Amen. Go back in your scripture and read that, and you'll become more impacted with it. So let's break down and look at each, each one of these emphasized things that Jesus makes in this parable. The first is... The emphasis on the lost sheep. The lost sheep was lost for a reason. Because it is the nature of sheep to need a shepherd. A sheep needs a shepherd. Sheep wander without a shepherd. They stray without a shepherd. And when there's not a shepherd, they're going to end up devastated and lost and hungry and perhaps uh, slain. So every sheep needs a shepherd. And for them to wander in this world without a shepherd is for them to be lost. And so this man had 100 sheep. And the Bible said one of those sheep went astray. And when that sheep went astray, the Bible said that 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 shepherd left the ninety and nine that were safe in the fold. And he went out and began to search for that one lost sheep. And the Bible said he sought for that sheep until he found it. Now, I want to make a commendation here. I think it was to the credit of those ninety-nine 
that he had that he could leave them in the fold. Right. 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 Yeah. I think it says a whole lot about yes. this. Yes. It says a whole lot about a congregation uh-huh. that will stay put and remain faithful. Yes. And not give up. And give their pastor an opportunity to look for souls. Can somebody say praise the Lord? And I think the hero of this part of the story are the 99 that were safe in the fold. I don't know how long he saw. But I know that he looked long and hard. And he refused to give up. He refused to turn around and go home. Because he had a passion. He had a drive. He, he, had a, he had a hunger. I've got to win that soul. Oh, God, help us to be eaten up with a passion and a burden for lost souls. That we live and we sleep and we eat and we pray to be able to win souls for the Lord. Hallelujah. And I want to say to you, the greatest joy of your life as a Christian will be the joy you experience when you find that one lost sheep. Amen. And the reason it was necessary for the shepherd to leave the sheepfold is because it's going to be impossible for a lost sheep to find its way home. There are some people that will never be reached unless you go out of the doors of this building and look for them. Do you know what we've done in Pentecost? And I'm not preaching at this church when I say this, but by and large in many places they've made the inside of their church, the most evangelized place in the city. If you come into this building, we'll sing to you. If you come into this building, we'll shake your hand. We'll welcome you. We'll love you. If you come into this building, we'll preach to you. And we'll, we'll, we'll just embrace you and pray with you. But there's a lot of people who are not going to come to the building unless we go find them and bring them. We've got to go where they are. And we've got to be willing to stay put and go there and not give up until we find that person that God is leading us to. Let's lift our hands right now and ask God to lead us to a humble Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. I've been involved in church planning, home missions work all of my life. My dad and mother were in the ministry way before I was born. When my mother was a teenage girl, uh, she was the first one of her family to find God. And her father disowned her after she became a Pentecostal. Uh, He did his level best to get her out of the church. But while she was still a teenager, she started four churches in in East Texas. And uh, those churches are all four still in existence in Texas. And they're still going on in the truth. And my mother, as a teenage girl, helped drive nails to build, build the original Uh, church buildings in a couple of them. Uh, And so after my mother and dad married and began to have children, my father and mother were both involved in ministry. And and, uh, this is all I've ever seen is, is home missions and church planning. And here's what I want to tell you. There is nothing that will 
transformed the atmosphere than a new person sitting on our pews. Amen. You're right. Amen. Hunger for God. Yes. You're right. Yes. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. And it will actually electrify and uh, magnify the opportunity for a great Holy Ghost outpouring to see a brand new person come to the house of God. Amen. But here's the real point. Do you know how churches are built? They're built one person at a time. You know how revivals come about? One person at a time. You know how souls are reached? Each one reaches one. Each one reaches one. And I want to tell you, if you do the math, it will shock you. If everyone in this building tonight would win just one person in a year, are you listening? If you would just win one person to the Lord, and then the next year you would win one. And that one that you won the first year would also win one. You follow me? So if everyone would reach one person and win them to the Lord, and we would so infest that new person that they also won, do you know that in 10 years you'd be running over 1,000 people? Do the math. I challenge you to do the math. Yes. Churches are built with one person at a time. Yes. Not multitude. Not throngs of people. One at a time. Amen. A little boy here. A little girl there. A mother here. A dad there. But you have to go after them to find them in order to reach them. Yes. Amen. God gave us a burden for souls in Oakland. And I didn't know how we was going to do in Oakland. Because Oakland's a little unique. I mean, you don't... Brother Diaz understands that. In a lot of the areas of Oakland, you don't knock on a door. If you do, it'll be a bullet that answers you. And uh, so we thought, well, how are we going to do outreach? How are we going to win souls? So we decided we'd go to the park and uh, we would start cooking hamburgers and hot dogs and we will give out hamburgers and hot dogs, put up a little prayer tent out close by and set up a search for truth Bible study uh, going on on one of the tables there in the park. And uh, so one day, one Saturday, we was in the park and uh, some of the witnesses began to go throughout the park because there was probably a hundred or so people in the park that day. There was a couple of basketball courts and there were young people up playing basketball. So they went up with the flyers to give them the testimony. And they said, Would, are you hungry? Would you like a hamburger? Would you like a hot dog? Come down, down the hill, down to where we've set up, and get you a free hot dog. It's not going to cost you anything. You don't have to listen to anything or hear from anybody. Just come down and get a free hot dog. Get something to eat free and go back and play. One of the young men that was playing basketball that day when uh, the witness left him, he threw the pas- basketball down and walked off the court. He said, now, where are those hamburgers? And the guy told him, said, well, right down the hill. He said, oh, I see them. He said, come right on down. So uh, when he got down there, he said, what is this all about? They said, well, it's about our church. He said, where is your church? They gave him the address. He said, oh, I know where that is. And uh, so about that time, they said, would you like to have a Bible study? He said, sure. 
So he sat down there at the table, and they had the Search for Truth chart there. They began to teach him a Bible study. And then they told him the bus will stop here in the morning in front of the park, picking up everybody that's willing to come to Sunday school, and you can go to church with us. He said, well, I'll be there. And uh, the next morning, when the bus went to pick up the folks at the, uh, at the park, they picked up five people that day, but that young man was not part of it. And the reason was because he walked the five miles from the park to the church. He walked, and he got to the church about a quarter till nine. And when he got to the church, he was walking around in the hall, and my youth pastor got there about that time and saw this strange young man, and then he recognized him from the park the day before. And he said, let me take you on a tour through the church. So he carried him through the whole church, looked it over real good. When he got up, he shook Brother Caputo's hand, and he said, well, this is my church from here on out. He was in the altar that day. He was baptized the following Sunday. And he received the Holy Ghost a few nights after that. And guess what? He is tonight an apostolic preacher. A married to a beautiful young lady. Counting the victory. the shepherds yes, yes. who refuse to give up. Right. I love the way the Bible presents these stories. Right. The Bible said he searched for it until he found it. Everybody say until he found it. Until he found it. I'm going to tell you this. If you will keep on keeping on until you find one you're not going to be able to stop finding people. That's right. You're going to find them everywhere. Amen. You really are. Amen. Praise the Lord. I could, I could spend the rest of my message tonight giving story after story. They're coming to my mind. But I'm not going to do that. I think you know her. I, I think you understand that. I want us to move on to the next part of this parable. And that's the Bible. Jesus said, either what woman having ten pieces of silver. Everybody say she had ten pieces of silver. What happened? The Bible said she lost one piece. Everybody say she lost one piece. So what did she do? Did she brush her hands? Sit down and say, well, I'm fortunate I've got nine left. That's the way we act sometimes. I've still got nine. Come on. Yeah, come on. I mean, we can't be satisfied if we still have nine. All right, right. Yeah, you're right. We we we've got to we have got to have a drive to us. Mm -hmm. And here's what the Bible said she did. First of all, she lit a candle. In other words, she shined a light. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Yeah. 
Amen. You remember that song from Sunday school? Amen. Praise God. Amen. How many of you have a candle? I want, I want you to raise your hand if you do. I'm talking spiritually speaking here right now. You have a candle. There's something about a candle. The more it shines, the smaller it gets. Because as that fire burns at the top of that candle, it melts the wax and, and the candle itself gets smaller. We are that candle. And when our light shines, it becomes less and less of us and more and more of that light. The Bible said she lit a candle. That's good. And then the Bible said she swept diligently and searched for that lost coin until she found it. I cannot be satisfied because I know that coin is there somewhere. It's got to be there somewhere. Oh, I've got nine, but... Hey, I'm not satisfied with nine. I've got to find that one that was lost. I need that. I want that one. Yes. Praise the Lord. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna contend myself in the rest of my life with this that remains. I've got to get my hands on that which was lost. And she sought for it until she found it. She was tenacious. Now here's the primary difference between the lost sheep. And the lost coin. The lost sheep was out of the fold. Everybody say out of the fold. Out of the fold. The sheep was out of the fold, wandering in a cruel, forbidding world. The uniqueness of the coin is the coin was lost in the house. Everybody say lost in the house. So whether you are lost in the world or lost in the house is really not relevant. That's good. Because lost is lost. And when you're lost, you need to find them. How many people are sitting on our pews that are estranged from God? How many people sit friendless on our pews? And I don't think it's that way in Lathrop because I felt the warmth of this fellowship when we walked in the doors. And I knew it would be that way because I know the Camarina family, though I don't know the rest of you. And I knew that there would be that warmth there. But in a lot of places, people just come and go from a place. And, and they're like ships that pass in the night. And, yeah. and, and there's, no, there's no bonding. There's no unity. There's no fellowship. There's no uniqueness to a combined fellowship of people. And there are those that are lost in the house. Yeah, that's right. If they're going to be found, somebody's going to say, have to say, I'm going to have my light shining. Amen. Yes. And Amen. I am Amen. not going to give up. Amen. Until I find them. Amen. What does it mean to that person that privately is struggling in his walk with God? Wondering whether he's going to make it or whether he should give up. Maybe he stumbled and failed. Maybe he's been the subject of the gossip rumor mill. But then, come here brother. Some precious brother comes and puts his arm around him and says, What's your name? Terry, I love you. I really appreciate you. God put His hand on you. I want to tell you, there's, that's 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 so so wonderful. Yes. Especially if you're that person that hears that. Right. 
just to know that somebody loves me. That's right. Somebody Amen. cares. Thank you, Amen. Brother Terry. Give Brother Terry a good hand right now. That's right. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But people can get lost in the house. That's right. And they need to be found. Amen. This whole chapter is about reaching the lost. Amen. Now, when we come to the next portion of this parable, he's not talking about a sheep. He's not talking about a coin. Before I go there, I want to say the reason that coin was lost is because it was, even though it was in the house, it was not in the purse. Everybody say it was not in the purse. In other words, it was not in the purchasing power of the house. If you're not in the purchasing power of the house, you may be lost. By that I mean if you're not being, if God is not getting credit out of your life, then you may be lost and somebody needs to find you. Yeah. Everybody, I'm in the Holy Ghost Amen. tonight. Amen. I feel the Spirit Amen. of God in this place. Praise the Lord. Move on to the next aspect of this parable. He's talking about something completely different. He's talking about a son. Not the elder son, but the younger son. Who is arrogant, who is prideful, who is boastful, probably spoiled. Comes up to his dad and says, give me what's coming to me. Now you have to understand the culture of that time. Because things passed on to the children uh, at a certain point. And that point was when the father passed. And the elder brother was set to receive a double portion. But this young son decided he couldn't wait until father passed. I want my portion now. So you give me the portion that is coming to me. And as soon as he got his hands on that, the Bible said he went to a far country. And this tells me, Brother Camarena, this tells me something about the boy. Anytime a boy wants to get far, far away from daddy, there's 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 a problem somewhere. Anybody hear me tonight? That's right. Uh-huh. There's a problem somewhere. Yeah. And he went to a far country. He didn't just go across the state line. He didn't just go out of the city into, into the next county. Oh, no. He went to a far country. A far country. Right. And what did he do? Did he find an investment advisor and deposit that money in investments so it would make a benefit for him so he could accrue some some potential wealth? No, that wasn't what he did. He went out and started partying and having a good time. And he was the life of the party. He probably picked up the tab everywhere he went. He spent freely, and it wasn't long until he had exhausted what he had. And he wound up at the bottom of the world in a pig pen eating from the pig trough. And it was when he was down at the very bottom. He said, how many hired servants back at home in dad's house that have got bread enough to spare? And here I am perishing in hunger when it didn't have to be this way. He said, here's what I'm going to do. I will get up and I will go home. And I will say to my father, 
I'm not worthy to be called your son. Just make me a hired servant. The Bible said that while he was a great way off, everybody repeat that with me. While he was a great way off, his father saw him. Wow. Here's what I believe. This is not the inspired version. This is the Curtis Young version. But when I read the scripture that said when he was a great way off, I believe with all of my heart that that son never left the heart of his father. I believe his father kept that son in his heart that whole time. I believe he saw his face as far as his heart was concerned every day. When he got up in the morning and opened his eyes, I believe he saw his son. I believe he saw him. I'm a father. I know what it means to have a son gone astray. I know how passionate it can be for a father. And while that son was afar off, his father saw him. And the Bible said he ran to meet him. And when he got home, he put shoes on his feet. There's a reason for that. Because in that day, you couldn't go far unless you had some shoes. Because walking on that terrain was a horrible experience. It would cut your feet. And so when his father put shoes on his feet, his father was saying, I trust you. I believe you're going to stay around. He put that that ring on his hand which contained the authority of his father that was the stamp and the controlling influence of the household. He put that on his hand. He put the authority of the household on his hand. That's how much a father loved him. But how... What was it that brought the son home? I'm going to be honest with you tonight. There are some people you can go to Timbuktu and you'll never find them. There are some people that you can sweep until you wear the broom out and you won't find them. There's going to be some people that don't come home until they reach the bottom. And so here's what this father did. He stayed home and made home what home had always been. And when that boy got to the bottom of the barrel and realized I had nowhere to go, he saw that home again. And he said, I can't stay here. I've got to go home. Brother Camarina, I don't know how long ago you came to Lathrop, but uh, I know it was several years ago. And I, I know that Brother Nathaniel has picked up your burden and carried it further, and I appreciate that. And I just believe God is doing a great thing. Here's what I'm going to, I promise you, and I believe I'm in the Holy Ghost tonight. I believe you're going to find people walk into these doors and say, this is what I've been looking for for a long, long time. We walked into our church one Sunday night at Baton Rouge. I pastored there for 29 years. One of the men in our church, his only son, 
was a young man that I'd gone to youth camp with. And I knew him by his first name. When I became the pastor of that church, that boy was away from God. And uh, his father and I and his mother and father together with my wife and I many times would talk about their son. They said, we're holding on for him to come back. And I said, I'm joining you in prayer. And I, I saw that boy many times and I witnessed to him and I tried to encourage him to come back. And I did. I, I, I reached out and I continued to do that. Walked into church that night. Praise and worship leaders were in the pulpit uh, leading the worship. And uh, I saw that young man come in the door. And he walked all the way down to the front pew. Sat down on the front pew. And uh, I preached on the prodigal son that night. Not the message I'm preaching here, but uh, I had felt a passion about that. And when I finished that message, that young man was the first one in the altar. And uh, he prayed for about 35 or 40 minutes and talked in tongues right after he got to the altar, but continued to worship and pray and then went into speaking in tongues and just seemed like he never was going to stop talking in tongues, just kept on speaking in tongues and praying. And uh, several of the people had already left. It was a long altar service. And uh, when, when they left, I took the mic and I said, would you like to leave a word of testimony? And he said, yes, I would, Brother Young. And he said, I've been away from God for 23 years. But he said, I want to tell this church the last thought I have had on my mind every night in those 23 years is I've got to get back with God. I'm going to be honest with you. I talked to him many times before that. And it didn't seem like he thought that way. You never know what's going on in somebody's heart. And he said, I was going to come to church this morning. And he said, uh, I got up and got dressed. And I drove all the way to church. And I drove on to the parking lot. And he said, I didn't have the nerve to come in. And I went home. And he said, I've been running the road all afternoon. Couldn't hardly wait till I could get to church tonight and ask God to forgive me for not coming. He said, I'm so glad to be home. I want to tell you, there's a prodigal out there somewhere. But when he gets back here, let's be Pentecostal. Let's make home what home is all we Let's have a loving atmosphere. Let's put food on the table. Come on. Let's stand to our feet right now and love God. Let's magnify the presence of the Lord right now. God in your name. I love you. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. I want to all make our way down to this altar as we conclude this service. I want us all to come to this altar. Amen. Let's press in close. Amen. I believe that God, amen, has spoken to our church. And it's imperative that we come to this altar and we begin to ask the Lord to put yes. it in our spirits. Oh, God. Amen. We need to pray here tonight that God would put somebody on our Hallelujah. heart. Amen. Yes. God, lay a soul yes. on my heart. God, who can I who can I win to? Who can I win to God? Who can I witness to God? 
God, give me the ability, give me the grace, God. Help me, Lord, I need to win somebody to you, God. Help me, God, to let my light shine, Lord. Lord, that lost crime, God, can find his way back, God. Help me, Lord, to make sure, Lord, that the house of God retains a place of home, a place of refuge for the lost and the weary prodigal sons of God. Thank Come you, on, can we lift our voices to the Lord? You're worthy of the Come praise. Come on, can we lift our voices? Yeah. God, help me. I worship God, help me, God. Help me, Lord, to win somebody. Help me, God, to be a part of somebody, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, God. I pray you yeah. would use each and every, each and every one of us here tonight, God. God, I pray you would use each and every one of us, Thank you. 